you're very familiar with the story we call the parable of the prodigal son. A man had two sons, we are told, and the younger son decided that life was not exciting enough for him in the house of his father. He became dissatisfied, and being dissatisfied, he wanted to be his own man. There is an element of this story that is often overlooked and uh, not noticed, and that is that in the Jewish society, everything that the father left when he died went to the oldest son. And if the other children or the youngest or those in between the youngest and the oldest got anything at all, it was a gift directly from the father. But he had no right to make a will in any other way. For the possession of the father belonged to the eldest son. And so when this son came to his father, his father had no obligation, no legitimate reason to give him anything at all. But he was dissatisfied and perhaps knowing the great love of the father, he came to him and he said, Father, give me now that portion of your goods that are going to come to me when you die because I don't want to wait for you to die. I want to go now. Leave home. Be my own man. Do my own thing. Though it must have grieved the father, he very generously gave his son what he asked. And he took it and left. And it is sad to see the ingratitude and the rebellion on the part of a beloved son of the father. As it must have been to God Almighty when his people Israel had crossed the Red Sea, had traversed that little triangle of land, the Sinai Peninsula, and had come to the valley there at Kadesh Barnea, across which lay the promised land. And the Father said to them, All that I have is yours. All you have to do is take it. But they said to him, No, we want our way. We want to do what we want, and we don't want what you have and what you plan for us. And we read in Psalm 106 that God gave them their desire. And strangely enough, their desire was that they be spared from the blessings of their father's house, which was the land of Canaan. God gave them their desires, but He sent leanness unto their souls. How sad to see ingratitude and rebellion on the part of those who belong to God the Father. Man is made in God's image. Man was made for fellowship with God. And it is staggering to come to understand that man's sin originated in the Garden of Eden where man had everything he could ever desire handed to him without work, without labor, without price. Everything that nature had to offer, God had created specifically to make man happy. And there in the Garden, man's sin originated. God made him for himself, but man was not satisfied with that. So he too left the presence of the Father. He took his likeness of God, which involves the ability to choose, and exercised that choice in exactly the wrong way in rebellion against God. And man, like the prodigal son, has gone into the far country of sin away from God. 
The young son represents man as he is victimized, deluded, and deceived by sin. And how vividly in this story the father portrays the great, loving, merciful, forgiving heart of God Almighty. Luke 15 has had much said and written about it. There are many angles. It is like a precious stone with many facets that cast light off when light is thrown on it. And I want to choose one facet of that today. I want us to consider the aspect of this parable that I call the far country. Where was it that the young son went? And what was it like where he was? Notice first of all, the far country is not measured by distance. Remember that very well. The far country is not measured by distance. It says here he went into a far country, thus symbolizing a separation from the Father and from the Father's fellowship. But the far country could have been across town if the son had chosen not to leave his hometown when he left his father's house. The far country is anywhere a man is away from God. Without God. Forgetful of God. Without God on the throne of his life. Anywhere like that is the far country. And wherever you are, if God does not hold His proper place within your life of control, of lordship, if you are not fully committed to Him, that is the far country. And no son of the Father is ever happy in the far country for very long. You do not belong there. It is unnatural. It is a land that is foreign to you and the inhabitants thereof are foreign to you. The Lord Jesus has promised us that if the world, this evil world system dominated by Satan, hated Him, we may rest assured that it will hate us also. For the servant is not greater than his master. The far country is not measured by distance. It is a land of unrest. Isaiah 50, 20 and 21. Isaiah says, But the wicked are like a troubled sea when it cannot rest, whose waters cast up mire and dirt. There is no peace, saith the Lord, to the wicked. The far country is not measured by distance. It is anywhere that you are away from God. And then notice again that the far country is a land of poverty. The far country is a land of poverty. Our text says very simply that when he had spent all that he had and his false friends had forsaken him, then he began to be in great want. He spent his portion. He took everything that God had given him and he threw it down a hole where it would bear no return, where it would do no good, where it would accomplish nothing. He threw it away. And so his man. Does it not boggle the mind to realize that God created this planet and all that is in it for one reason? 
And that was to make man happy and to meet his needs. That's why God made the world. And when God made it, there was no war with the elements. There was no excessive heat nor cold. The climate was perfect. There was no disease. There was no death. There was no accident even. For God made it perfect to be an incubator there to foster the life and bless the man that He had made. And man has taken everything that God has done for him and thrown it down. Satan is called the prince of this world for one reason, because man threw down the authority that God gave him over this earth and Satan picked it up. The far country is a land of poverty. The young son spent his portion and so is man. He was all right for a while for the glitter of the far country, the newness of it, the falseness of his newfound companions. But then after a while, (coughs) as it always will, life tumbled in around his shoulders and he realized that ever since he had left the father's house, he had been alone and in great want. Many men do not see their need for a while. And yet no man is able to go through life without realizing his aloneness and his lostness. He may not perceive it in its real terms. He may not see the real solution, but no man is without the realization that he's alone, that he's helpless, that he needs help. Always, that realization comes and he began to be in great want. Jeremiah 5 verse 25 the prophet tells the Jews who at this point were unfaithful to their God your iniquities have turned away these things and your sins have withholden good things from you. And again in Proverbs 22.8, He that soweth iniquity shall reap vanity, and the rod of his anger shall fail. The far country, not measured by distance, is always a land of poverty. The far country is always a land, thirdly, of evil alliances. For what was his immediate solution to his own problem? Here he echoes the actions of the whole human race. Every man reacts in the same way. And the majesty and the beauty of the Bible is seen within this parable. For in every detail, the reaction of the young son is the reaction of the race in their relationship to God. What was his reaction? His reaction was to try to solve his own problem. Always a mistake. Always a mistake. For what does the text say? It says that when he found himself to be in great want, he went and joined himself to a citizen of the far country. You see, his slide downward and away from the Father wasn't done yet. He had realized his poverty, but whatever his problem, whatever his need, his pride prevented him from going back to the Father at that point. So he went and joined himself to a citizen. You and I may talk about it, but we have no way to understand 
the humiliation that was this young man's, a nice Jewish boy, when that citizen that he went and joined himself to put him to doing the thing that a Jew would rather die than do. He put him to feeding hogs. And the hog had come to be the symbol of everything that was unclean and ungodly and immoral. And the fact that he fed the hogs meant that he had come to the very bottom. And at that point, he was willing to do anything, 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 just so long as he could get along and stay alive. But then notice also this land of evil alliances. The Father doesn't desert us no matter what we do. I'm so glad that this tells us that about God the Father. For if God were the unfeeling, unmerciful God that the devil tries to paint Him to be, He would have left Him there. But He didn't do it. He didn't do it. But God stirred His conscience. He had hoped thus to repair His broken fortunes by this evil alliance. And how tragic it is to see an even more complete yielding of the lost son to the service of the world. Now bear in mind that in this parable, this young man is a son of the father. This is not the parable of one who is lost and comes to find salvation. This is the parable of one who is the son of the father who is backslidden and comes back to God. For he is the son of the father. And no man is the Father's Son until he comes to God through Jesus Christ. It is a land of evil alliances. And it shows the steps downward in sin that even the people of God can take. This young man who started out using the world as his own servant to give him pleasure wound up as the slave of the world. He didn't receive any sympathy the citizen to whom he joined himself sent him to the vilest task and now his misery is full and complete. What a picture of a man doing anything to serve the ghost of a fulfillment that doesn't even exist. Sin is hollow. Sin is shallow. Satan always pays in counterfeit coin. Oh, he pays all right, and Scripture says the wages of sin is death. How tragic for a man to serve sin in order to receive death. The far country is a land of evil alliance. And then notice that the far country, and listen, is a land of insanity. It is a land of insanity. Where do you get that? Examine the text. What does it say? Verse 17, Luke 15. And when he came to himself. Now if he came to himself, where had he been? Why he had been beside himself. When he came to himself, he said, how many servants of my father 
have bread enough to spare, and yet I am perishing with hunger. Out of his mind, insane. And the word of God witnesses from one end to the other that sin is insanity. It beclouds the mind. It distorts the sight. It affects the reason and the ability to be rational of any man. Could there be any greater insanity than for a man to leave God and to rebel and to go to Him? Could there be any greater insanity than that? 1 Corinthians 1.18 says, For the preaching of the cross is to them who perish foolishness. The preaching of the cross, the Word of God, is foolishness to those who perish. But unto us who are saved, it is the power of God. 1 Corinthians 2.14 But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. 2 Corinthians 4, 3 and 4. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them who are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them who believe not. Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Who is the one who is blind and insane? It is the one who is blinded by the God of this world to the Word of God. And just as man deserted God for the world, the young son deserted the house of his father for the far country, can anything be more insane than sin? as it separates a man from his only hope, from his only life, which is abiding in the Father. The far country is a land of insanity. But I'm glad that when Jesus told us the story, He didn't leave it there. For He told us of the return from the far country. And notice the steps which the lost son of his father took as he came back to God. First of all, he recognized his desperate condition. He recognized how bad off he was. He knew that his father's servants were better off. Now that was the first step, but that wasn't all there was to it. For you know, there was a time lapse. There was an interval between the time when he recognized his problem and when he decided to do the right thing about it. He recognized his problem, but then... After another period of time, he got up and he returned to the Father. That's different from recognition. He had to get up and go. If you were going north uh, on Highway 13 and you were, had to go to Bolivar and you came to the sign that says Bolivar, 25 miles, and you sit under the sign, you may sit there knowing the truth from now until doomsday and you'll never get there. There is more to making it right with God than recognizing a problem. You have to do something about it. And the thing to do about it is not do what the prodigal son did, which was take it in his own hands and decide that he could solve it better than his father could. 
When everything was said and done, the young son had one solution to his need, and that solution was to go home and confess his sin to the father. That's the only solution. First he recognized his problem, and then he got up and went home. And notice the welcome of the father. The father was looking for him. When he was coming, he was still a great way off when the father saw him and ran to meet him. The father rejoiced. The father forgave him before he ever confessed his sin. How beautiful. You see, in the ancient eastern world, that kiss that the father planted on him was a pledge of reconciliation. And so the father, before he ever opened his mouth to confess his sin, told him it was all right, that he was forgiven, that everything was going to be fine because he had come home. James 4.8 James writes, Draw nigh to God, and He will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Everything the son had always wanted was at home. Everything he desired to find in the far country was waiting on him when he came back to the father. He confessed, even though he had already been forgiven, but the father never acknowledged or mentioned his confession. For it was already forgiven. The more a sinner knows of God's love, the more he grieves that he has ever sinned against that love. Repentance is a lifelong process, not a one-time thing. Repentance continues. And every new insight into the goodness of God is a reason for mourning as we realize how we have grieved Him and sinned against Him. The father wasn't through yet. He didn't receive the son back to the servant status. He received him back as a son and gave him the best that the home had to offer. And he threw there a festive banquet for the son. The festive banquet demonstrates not only the father's forgiveness, but the father's joy at the homecoming of his son. There is a lesson to be learned That lesson is that when you and I, as every Christian does, find ourselves headed to the far country because we have decided to take control of our own lives, all we need to do is turn and come back to God. And while we are yet a a great way off, He comes to meet us with a kiss of reconciliation, with forgiveness, with joy in His heart. Jesus said, Him who comes to me, I will in no wise cast out. God will receive us. He wants us to come back to Him no matter what our need, no matter what our sin. He wants us to come. And His time is always now, that eternal now, when you hear His voice. For Scripture says today, today, If you hear his voice, harden not your heart. There is one who is still even worse off 
than the young son was in the far country. That is the one who does not have that relationship to the father. He has no father at that moment to arise and go to. But there is good news. For God tells those who do not know Him, who have no relationship to Him, Come unto me, all ye who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And something miraculous comes when you, even if you are not the Son of the Father, if you do not know Him, if you are lost without Jesus, when you arise and come toward the Father, He comes to meet you. And He falls on your neck and He makes you in that moment His Son. So whether your lostness is the separation of a son who has wandered away from God or one who has not known Him, the same God and the same Father is looking and waiting for you to come to Him today. And in that moment, in that moment, you will find in Him all that you need. You will find in Him every need of life satisfied and met all of the past washed away by the blood of Jesus in the place of soiled garments there will be a robe that has been washed white in the blood of the lamb and when he came to himself he arose and he came to the father won't you do that this very day. Whatever your need, God will forgive. When you take the first step home, He sees and He will meet you on the way with forgiveness, with reconciliation, with cleansing, with everything that you desire. For everything that you need has been waiting at home with the Father. Join me in prayer. Father, I thank You that we can never exhaust Your forgiveness. I thank You, Father, that we can never, ever use up Your love and Your mercy. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned everyone to His own way. But thank You, thank You that You laid on Jesus our sin and iniquity and He bore it on the cross. Now, Father, receive us. Awaken us to an awareness of our sin and our need. And as we start back to You, meet us on the way with a kiss of reconciliation. I thank You that You always do. I thank You for being faithful even when we're not. I thank You for loving us no matter what we do. I thank You that the ground at the foot of the cross is level where all who will may come and drink freely of the water of life. Do among us those things which please You today to the glory of Jesus, and it will please us. I pray in His name. Amen.